Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. I am your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Thank you so much for being here. If it is your first time, welcome. And if it is not your first time, welcome back. I really hope you have been enjoying the podcast if you've been listening. If And if it is your first time that you will enjoy this episode and continue to enjoy the episodes. We have had some incredible stories of people just sharing their fears and how they've overcome those thought things they thought would break them. Just a lot of stories of some really deep vulnerability and people being able to connect to themselves and discover their true identity and all that they are going through. So we're going to go ahead and get into the episode and I'll introduce my guest. And I like this particular guest and story because she's still going through something. So let's go ahead and introduce the guest today. My guest today is Nana Asuji. She is an actor turned filmmaker and writer. She studied communication science disorders and minored in performing arts at St. Louis University. While living in New York City, she attained her Master's of Arts in the Media Studies and Film Program from the New School University. She has worked for ABC and PBS on award-winning documentaries and in the media and public relations field with Fortune 500 companies such as Tiffany & Co, AT&T and L'Oreal USA, as well as with smaller companies and individual artists. Her career path has not been a straight line because in her second semester of graduate school, she was diagnosed with lupus. She is now on dialysis and still doing her best to move forward with her life and career. She's taking acting classes with Leslie Kahn and Associates, learning how to skate and learning Spanish. She is also auditioning for plays, commercials and film. She loves spending time with her family and friends, napping and taking walks in a park. Love it. So let's go ahead and get into episode nine of season one of the podcast. So hello and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast, Nana. How are you today? I am good. I am uh, in my creative space right now. So that's a positive thing, I guess, being on podcasts. Um, <laughs> but I'm happy that it's Friday and I can semi-breathe out of my nose. So I'm winning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah allergy season is not yeah. fun. Um, no. Not fun at all. Not fun. So I hope you feel better. Thank you. So let's go ahead and get into the podcast and let's go ahead and ask my favorite question and why we're here. Uh, What is something you thought would break you 
but it didn't. Um, I would say 12 years later, I didn't think I would still be here after um, being diagnosed with um, systemic lupus that turned into lupus nephritis, which is when it attacks your kidney mm-hmm. um, and has now devolved into full-on renal failure and being on dialysis. Uh, I truly, first of all, I never thought that that would that I'd come here to this point. Mm -hmm. But um, when I was first diagnosed, I was ready to like jump out a window. And when I think about my symptoms then compared to now, um, not to say it was easy because it wasn't, but I truly didn't think I would get this far. And I don't think that I would in the inspirational words of now justice, Kantanji Brown Jackson, persevere. Mm. Mm. Okay. So take us back to that point where you were saying, when I got my diagnosis, I thought I was going to jump out the window. What was kind of going through your mind? What were the feelings? Like, you know, what did you imagine when you got that diagnosis? Um, well, I was in a completely different space. I was in my twenties, first of all, don't know what that feels like anymore. Um, I lived in New York city at the time and Mm -hmm. I was at the beginning of this journey towards my career. Mm Um, I moved to New York to go, as I say, Tyler Perry, my way into the industry, learn behind (laughs) the camera so that I can get in front of the camera. Mm -hmm. And for lupus, it attacked like my moneymaker, right? My face, my hair, my skin. Mm. So if you want to be in front of the camera and you have huge purple black rashes all over your face and body and your hair is falling out, um, that, you know, that, that's a barrier. Mm. <laughs> I mean, makeup and wigs, sure. Um, but they're probably going to bypass you for someone who doesn't have those issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also in the middle of grad school. So being sick and still going to grad school was just like, it was a difficult situation. And I was like, do I stop school? Do I leave? Uh, I want to die. I'm, I'm an adult at that point, but I'm a healthy adult who's never had a chronic illness in my life. Mm-hmm. What does this look like? How does it change your life? I don't want to do this. I don't want to deal with this. I still have those feelings. Don't get me wrong. I still am like, this is too much. I don't want to deal yeah. with this. I, I should be having a normal life, whatever that is. And it really was a day by day struggle of okay, are you going to get up? Are you going to go see this doctor? Are you going to eat? Mm. Are you going to take the medicine that is prescribed for you? Are you going to do what you need to do to care for yourself so that maybe this situation gets better? And I went from kind of giving up to having this fight in me that I found alternative treatments that mm-hmm. actually worked for two years, but it was so expensive Yeah, um, that I couldn't do it consistently. So it didn't, uh, it didn't help like it, it was earlier. Um, 
I changed my diet. I, you know, was working out consistently. I finished grad school. All of a sudden I was just like, no, this, this, this isn't going to be the end. Like Mm. I've come this far. Um, And then as I continued to fight, the fight got harder. So it became, okay, you have rashes all over your skin and you're really tired. Like fatigue is not even the word to describe it. And you're having fevers and your hair is falling out. Um, But now a major organ is going to be affected. Wow. And so as I continue to fight, like, like I said, the fight got harder. So now I'm being hospitalized for like two weeks for kidney failure due to lupus and being put on high dose steroids and like gaining 40 pounds of water and dealing with that. And it's like, okay, no, I'm still going to continue. I'm still going to be me. I'm still going to get, um, even in the hospital, um, I'm a very, I don't want to say girly girl, but I'm a very, uh, self care Mm -hmm. (laughs) motivated person. (laughs) Like I will get my facials. I will do my hair. I will like it's very important to me to like, at least keep that for myself. And even in the hospital, I was having my friends go through my stuff so I could give myself a facial and, Mm -hmm. you know, deep conditioning my hair just to give myself some sense of normalcy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, as I, what made you decide to do that? Because I know you said there was something inside of you, but was there something like someone said, something you listened to or a thought that you had that switched into, I'm going to fight, even when the fight was getting harder? There were a lot of different factors. Mm -hmm. Uh, I am not going to say I did this all by myself because I have a wonderful village of friends Mm -hmm. and um, family, especially my mom, who like just did not give up. Mm -hmm. Like the the long list of people that came in and out of my hospital room, my mom was like, um, she, at the time she was in Texas and I lived in New York and she flew out immediately. And she was on the phone with my aunt and she was like, I see why Nana doesn't want to leave this place. She's like, these people aren't friends. This is her family. Just with the outpouring of love with, you know, bringing groceries, doing like any and everything, just like going above and beyond. And she was like, yeah, she's like, I see why you feel welcomed here. Why you don't want to go back to Dallas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, um, so I think it was having that support, which is very important. Yeah. Um, at that time, my faith was growing. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is true, but like at 26, I decided, God, I want to be closer to you. So I decided to go to church. I was like, how do I start this? I go to church and I, you know, build a community And there were some people, some missionaries who were talking about how they were caught in China and dug in a hole and stuck there. And they were saying that while they were in that hole before they got rescued, they felt the presence of God more in that hole Mm. than they had any other time. And I was like, God, I want you to dig me in a hole (laughs) so I can feel your presence 
crazy. Don't <laughs> the ask things for we these say. things. Just <laughs> crazy. Crazy. Are you sure you want that? <laughs> exactly. I'm sure he looked, he was like, you sure, girl? Okay. And it wasn't a hole that I was dug out of 10, you know, 10 days later, you know, 12 years later, we're in a deeper hole and I'm like, okay, get me out. Um, we didn't have to go this far. So I think my faith and my family and friends did help, but there was also just, I feel like at that time, especially I'm like, I am meant for greater maybe I'm supposed to help someone. I started a blogging, started to um, share my experience and other people were writing me and being like, thank you so much for being open. This Mm. is what I'm going through. Thank you for showing your hair loss. Thank you for showing what you did to get rid of all the marks all over your body. Because even though I had all these things going for me, I was still trying to find solutions. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, I'm losing my hair. Okay. Let me go find someone who works in hair loss okay, I have like hyperpigmentation because I have dark skin. So these rashes are leaving me marked up. Okay, let me go get chemical pills and like treatments that eliminated it all from my body. And so I was sharing this with people who were going through the same things, but maybe didn't find the solution. Yeah. Wow. That's beautiful. So I think it was a, a, an amalgamation of all those things. Okay. That just keep, kept you kind of going. And like you were saying, so that's why in this hospital, you're still doing all your self-care and, and yeah. taking care of yourself. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of curious about the, the other factor. Um, you know, I'm from London. So to discover the healthcare here is always has been a shocker and how... <laughs> Um, and the fact that that is the the number one thing that puts people in, in debt. So was that a, an added stressor for you? Um, hospital bills or, you know, healthcare and having to pay all that whilst you have lupus, um, did that add any stress to you? Um, at the time I will say I I'm now in Texas, but I lived in New York city Mm -hmm. under Barack Obama very different times. <laughs> um, so I had health insurance first through grad school. Mm-hmm. So when I was first diagnosed, I was insured. And then there was the ACA that helped me. Mm-hmm. So, and then living in New York, um, yeah, my hospital bill, um, was like $48,000. Wow. I did go to a public hospital cause I wasn't, I was in between, grad school and applying for the ACA. Okay. The ACA is the affordable care act. Oh, the affordable care. Yeah. Obamacare. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Obamacare. Um, and so I was in between, but because, and so I was actually frustrated because before I was hospitalized, I was contracting. And after my contract, I didn't find a job for six, seven months. Mm -hmm. And at that time, my, my health had depleted even more, like it'd gone down. And I honestly thought I was dying because I slept for four days straight. And I was like, and I started to Google, how do you know you're dying? And they're like, your toes start to curl. So I start to look for my toes curling. And that is when I went to the doctor I was seeing 
that was giving me the alternative treatment and he was like oh you're in kidney failure you need to either take an ambulance or call someone to take you and so I um I went to a public hospital and so because I didn't work for those six months and I didn't have health insurance we went to the um the Medicaid office because they called me like as soon as I left the hospital like I am full on bloated with steroids and drugs and out of my mind. And they're like, how do you plan to pay for your oh my god, 48,000? I was like, can I go home? I literally just left y'all. Wow. Can I go home? So we went to the office and she was like, because you didn't work and because you don't have health insurance, Medicaid can cover the entire bill. So they covered the entire bill. Oh, wow. So that time that I was frustrated of not working, was actually like a blessing because had I been working, I probably would not have gotten Medicaid. Wow. That's a benefit also of living in a blue state. They're a little bit more helpful. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Um, And then by the time I moved back to Texas, I did have Obamacare. So it was covered. Now, is it expensive? Yes. Mm -hmm. But again, that's where my parents kind of came in. When I couldn't work, they just covered it. Mm, wow. And we're thankful for that too, because you, um, you're not penalized, um, right. for preconditions and, and things like that. So, yeah. I mean, I know I personally, I'm a, I have Obamacare myself and I, I've been so grateful for it because it has done a lot and been a major blessing. So, yeah. And, and exactly like you said, like, had I had that not been implemented, I would have been denied health insurance and then mm-hmm. God knows what. Okay. Okay. So, you know, you mentioned the kidney failure. Um, cause that was, that was after how long after your diagnosis did that? Okay. Uh, three years, three years That's when it first started Okay, and then it got progressively worse. Three years. And when you, when that occurred, the, the, when the kidney failure occurred, how, where were you at that stage in your life in regards to acceptance of the diagnosis or, you know, where were you personally? I had just come off two years where it kind of reversed because mm. I was doing these peptide injections. I went to this um, clinic where they merge Eastern and Western um, treatments. Mm -hmm. And so there are these peptide injections for lupus and the doctor, um, they were like $400 a shot, but I was getting like two shots a week and I maxed out all my credit cards to pay for this because it wasn't covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. And then my parents were like, well, we'll pay for it. Like what, this is your health. If it's helping you, we'll pay for it. So then I used their money and then it got to a point where I felt bad continually asking them for money. And I was still, um, I was still in grad school at that time. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of like was okay. Cause it was no longer that visible. Like the scars were going away okay. and my hair was growing back. Mm. And then when I minimized using or when I started to use the uh go get the shots less is when my symptoms started to like flood back Mm -hmm. and I had those months that I thought I was dying uh which I kind of was but um so okay (laughs) so it's like I I had kind of forgotten that I was sick it was some reminders when I was like oh I'm a little tired you know some days but the injections had 
truly worked very well but it was just everything was so expensive and that kind of goes back to the healthcare thing because though none of that was covered by healthcare the shots that the shots. that that were helpful and that yeah so that's you said 400 twice a week and 400 dollars yeah. per shot yeah wow so yeah yeah that's wow. expensive yeah so what was that like because you're fighting now you're you know you're doing these shots you know you are doing better and then you you know you're in this space where you're almost dying and then you have find out you have kidney failure what makes you decide to keep going at that point I think I was like full-on Jesus mode Mm. like everything like my mom was actually surprised because she was like your faith is better than mine like I was reading the Bible daily. I was like listening to praise music. I like was anxious to get back to church. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I was like, this is going to be a full on testimony. This just, this, I'm just going to bless people with this story. <laughs> um, God is using me. And we, and, and, and the thing about church though, especially the church I went to is that Unlike in this podcast, when I am still going through this, they like to present testimonies where it's all done, mm. it's over, you see the end, everything's happy. If it's a woman, she always mm-hmm. ends up like finding her husband and having children at the end and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I thought, I was like, I'm going to go through this. I'm going to find my husband. <laughs> They're going to tell me I can't have kids. I'm going to have five kids. I'm going to be on the stage. And I, and I just saw that. I just saw that. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I'm going to be one of those testimonies. And that, and, and maybe that delusion helped me get through it. But is it a delusion though? Because you are a testimony. At the time, and even right now, um, sometimes it is hard for me to accept it, right? Because Mm -hmm. every day I go through this and now like it's gone from kidney failure to like in-stage renal failure. Like I still had kidney function at that time. It was like about 40%. Mm -hmm. I think now I have like 4% or -hmm. less. Like I am full on like kidneys ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Okay. Um, And what surprised me is that I had a friend that wrote a book called Embracing Your Life when the life you want does not look like, or the life you have does not look like the life you wanted. And Mm -hmm. she actually dedicated it to me and her grandmother. And she wrote about me in the book. And I was just like, as I sit here and I'm like, I am struggling, I'm failing, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that. She sees the other side of Nana is still going she's still going to auditions she's still paying for voiceover reels she got herself a job in her in her career like for the her master's which was always my goal mm-hmm. um and she's like you're still doing it even though you feel like you're failing and you're struggling and so mm-hmm. it's I guess it's perspective like her perspective is you are inspiring me because you're still moving on, even though life is not giving you what you thought it would. And my perspective is 
life is not giving me what I thought it would. Mm. How can I go get what I have been denied? Mm. That's so interesting. It makes me think about, you know, the power of the mind and, and our mindsets and, and what we see. So for her, she's like, she's doing this and I see her strength and you're like, I want the life that I want. Yeah. I don't want this life. I, I want this life. I want the life that I, I had dreamed and I had imagined. Yeah. Okay. So would you say then it's still hard for you to accept where you are now? This right now is still kind of hard. Like some days it's hard because unlike the first 11 years, physically it was no longer visible. And for me, I'm, I am a bit of a visual person, okay. right? So like my hair was no longer falling out. My hair was full and thick. Um, I no longer had rashes. Lupus just became just about my kidneys. That was it. And you cannot see that. Like for other people with lupus, you can see what's going on with them. Okay. A lot of people would look at me and be like, I can never tell you're even sick. Mm-hmm. You look, you look fine to me. And that actually gave me comfort not to look like what I was going through. Ah, uh, really? I was, I am a person who does not want to look like what I'm going through. Um, until last year when, you know, my, at the beginning of the year, my doctor was like, you're probably going to need to start dialysis. And I was like, nope, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) And it got to a point where literally like the other time I thought I was dying. No, this time I was dying because like the kidneys, my kidneys were done. And so Mm -hmm. if you look up all of the symptoms for Mm end-stage renal failure, I had all of them. And the next step is just death. It's really just because my body wasn't uh, getting rid of the toxins. So my body was being poisoned. So I, I was working and I was like, I think it was really my job. I was like, I think my job needs me dumb, but which they don't, Mm -hmm. but I was just like, I need to continue working. And I think I, I enjoy the job that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to go to the hospital. And that is, but now, like, now you can see dialysis on me. Now you can see kidney failure on me because I have ports in my chest and in my stomach for hemodialysis and for home dialysis that I'll start in a couple weeks. Like, I can see this. Like, this is no longer something I can hide from myself, more importantly, mm-hmm. or from other people. Like, I have to wear certain void showing off my port you know I have to like there's so many different things it's like now you can see this on me Mm -hmm. and that is a bigger discomfort to me than the actual diagnosis I know that sounds crazy well that makes sense because we can be in somewhat of a denial when we can't see something right but when it's in front I mean even if we feel it we could be like oh it's not there you know, you, you know, when we push through, especially as black women, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm going to push through this. Yes. But, but when the physical, it's like, oh, now I can't do that anymore. Now that that reminder is there. Yeah. And so now you're in, you're, you're doing dialysis. How often do you do dialysis? 
I do it three times a week for four hours. And, and that's another like scene, right? I go to a center. I'm one of the youngest people there. Um, I'm also funny enough, one of the healthiest people there because my kidney failure was brought on by an autoimmune disorder, not diabetes or okay. hypertension. Um, I, and, and like, I'm sitting on a machine for four hours mm-hmm. <laughs> that's monitoring my blood pressure and pushing my blood out, going through a machine and pushing it back in. Like I see that I mm-hmm. have to be there three times a week for four hours. Like that is now a part of my schedule and a part of my life. Um, and that's something I, I, I didn't have for the first 11 years. It would be yeah. maybe a lot of doctor's appointments, but then that's it. We're done. Right. I can still go to brunch on Saturday. Now I can't. <laughs> <laughs> but you're still working, right? I am still work. I work from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a creative producer and writer for a DEI app, DEI mm-hmm. app uh, for AT&T. Okay. I, I create their content. Um, so that is a creative outlet for me. Yeah. And it helps me. And, and I'm still like, um, I, I didn't think the whole pandemic was great, but it did allow more work from home positions. Mm-hmm. And especially in my position of going to dialysis and being in hospitals for like a week or two, and still working, um, I I could have never done that Good in an far. office. Okay. And I take naps. I don't know if anybody from AT and T is going to hear this, but I take <laughs> naps during the day. Well, you you get tired. I, I get yeah. it. Yeah. So where are you now? Where you know, am I now? I kind of feel a little chaotic, honestly, because um, I'm on this. The, the doctors are like, you should find a living donor. Mm-hmm. It's been a struggle. I have three siblings. I thought personally, they would jump at the chance to give me a kidney. And that's not been the case. And that has made me resentful oh, wow. towards them. Mm-hmm. So we're working that out. So mentally, it, it just makes you feel like because I, I have another friend who's my age who has siblings, older siblings too, and her mom, and they were all willing to give her a kidney. And her mom ended up being the person because they're like, okay, when mom's kidney dies out on you, we'll give you one. Oh, wow. And I was just like, oh, my siblings love me. Like, yeah, I'm their baby sister. They love me. And that has not been the case. <laughs> And I've had strangers offer to give me a kidney um, over my own siblings. And so like that kind of puts a different dynamic for me personally. Mm. Um, And then my parents are too old because they're in their seventies. Cause I know my mom would give me a kidney in a heartbeat, but they're not going to do surgery for anyone over 70. Um, And so now I'm in this, like, I don't want to see this anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. I am switching to home dialysis, which at least frees up my schedule. Yeah. I can do it while I sleep. So I don't have to wake up and go to a center. Okay. Um, but I think this whole process has really kind of messed with my head. 
and I'm still trying to push through, but there are some days where I just lay down and I'm like, uh, I'm not so much of a Jesus freak right now. Mm. I've had a complete like deconstructing of my mind. Um, but I'm still trying to hold on to God trying. Mm-hmm. It's like my hands are slipping, but I'm kind of at this point where I'm just like, if you don't do this, if this is not resolved, um, why am I still here? Mm. And, and I try and like, be like, you know, not out there are other people who are just suffering. And we had a whole pandemic where people have lost their whole families and, and you're still here. You're still here. There's a, there's a reason, there's a purpose, there's a reason. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to be miserable anymore. Like I really, I think now that I have the physical limitations, mm-hmm. Like I can't get in the ocean. I can't, I can't do a lot of things now. Now I'm like, ah, this isn't, this isn't as easy. As I thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you need to live in donut and, um, is, is what I'm hearing. Um, so I would definitely like for you to share that information. If there is any one of our listeners or anyone out there, um, I'll definitely take a look at it myself who can help. Um, I mean, you're here. Why not? Yeah. Share? <laughs> I am. I am a blood type, a positive. So if you're a positive, that is, uh, an important thing. Um, the website, I did not know that you were going to do that, but do you have show notes? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so I can so put you can that send, in there. I'll put them in the show notes for you. I am, I'm registered at Baylor, um, hospital in both Dallas and Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, under my, uh, English name, I should say Cynthia Osuji, not Nana Osuji. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will, and we can have that link in the show notes, but yeah, I, I feel like there is more, but I, I'm still going, you know, mm-hmm. I, I just invested like a grand on a voiceover demo reel. So I got to at least live to see that through and make my yeah. money back, <laughs> um, <laughs> at least to return on my investment. Um, they keep on extending my contract with my job. So I guess I got to see that through, through. Um, and I was just talking to my mom yesterday and I was just like, you know, you're a big part of the reason why I'm still here. Cause I've, I've seen that woman fight for me and I know it's not easy for her and I don't want my mom to bury me. Um, I, her parents buried seven of their children and I know she doesn't want to do that. So I don't want my mom to bury me. And then I also, um, I'm also still here because my cousin, um, my beautiful cousin was killed uh, almost a year and a half ago in November, 2021. Uh, He was murdered and he lived life so well. Like he loved life. Uh, And he was 33 and I adore him. And I was like, I have to live because he cannot, can't. Like he would tell me, Nana, go on. 
I love that. I just love hearing your story and all the different combination of things that are keeping you going. And, um, you know, I always say we're not alone. We're not meant to do life alone and your community, whether they're here or, or, you know, here in the spirit, they're, they're still keeping you anchored. Um, and I, and I also want you to know that your story that people are going to be listening to on this podcast are keeping up is keeping other people anchored too. Thank you. Thank you. And I, and you're right. I've, I've not done this alone. It's I've had friends come stay with me, sit with me in dialysis, laugh with me, read me books. I'm just, I like, there is love. And I, and I, I'm here not only just for my mom, obviously, but it's just like, I'm still thinking, right. I'm still Mm -hmm. thinking that I'm going to be on that stage and I'm going to be telling the story completely on the other side. Mm. But I think there is power in telling it when you are deep in the midst of this storm. Like I am being twirled by this tornado right now. Yeah. Um, And I'm waiting to be, you know, ever so gently set down like in a field (laughs) of flowers (laughs) and being able to frolic and live. Love that. Beautiful. So um, Nana, where can everyone shower you? How can they shower you with love? Oh, wow. Um, well, I have my blog, which is now dead, but I still have, uh, at lupus diaries, uh, Mm -hmm. on, um, on Instagram. And I also have my podcast that I had to put on hold for a while that I'm going to re revive, um, Mm -hmm. at Hey Broke, Gifted and Black podcast. Mm -hmm. And you can always cash at me if you want. (laughs) Hey, just let me know. (laughs) Always cash at me. It's my name, dollar sign. Um, No, no, not Cynthia. Um, And just sending messages at Lupus Diaries or our Broke, Gifted, and Black. Hey, uh, Broke, Gifted, and Black podcast on Instagram is always appreciated because hearing other people be inspired by you, like kind of makes you do a double take like really Mm -hmm. because you know you're looking at yourself like oh I'm a mess this is awful (laughs) and other people are like oh you this is you inspire me you make me do this and you're just like really yeah okay I'm gonna continue yeah you you are you are definitely an inspiration so I'm gonna put all that information in the show notes um it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast um great being on here thank you you're welcome you're welcome so thank you so much thank you wow doesn't she have a powerful story Nana is so resilient and I'm so grateful that she came onto the show um, to share her story while she's still going through it. So many different things to take away, but just a few of the takeaways that I'm taking away from her story today. The first one is, it's always interesting, shall I say, how people see us 
and then how we see ourselves. And I think it's just a reminder of how important it is for us to be in community and have people that see things, great things in ourselves that we perhaps might not see. And even sometimes some imperfections or weaknesses that we may have that we might not be aware of. And I always think that's really important. So when she was talking about how her friends view her going through this and how she views herself and she wants it to end and they're like, oh my gosh, you're doing so well. I think that is just a reminder, just just how we see ourselves differently and how other people see us. The other thing that was really interesting to me is she talks about at the beginning how she thought that having lupus would break her um, and that her life was over. And yet, even though she still experienced this and going through and have our ups and downs, she is still choosing to live and how much she's even surprised herself of what she's been able to do and how she's even though she may be having support, but still some elements of independence and then also share her challenges and her frustrations. So just a reminder that I have put in the show notes her information um, in regards to um, if you or someone you know um, would like to donate a kidney. Um, I have put that information in the show notes. Um because she's still looking for one. And so I think that's really important. If you can share that information, um, I think we would both appreciate it. If you can share it on your stories or your emails or whoever you know, your community, your church groups, your spiritual groups, whatever the case may be. So thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate you. And um, thank you for all your support. Continue to share, rate and review. Thank you for listening to It Didn't Break Me. If you like this episode, please follow the podcast and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast. Please don't forget to share this with a friend and you can tag me on Instagram with your takeaway from this episode at Authentically Be You. If you want to keep abreast of upcoming episodes, please sign up for the newsletter on the podcast website, it didn't break me.com. And remember to discover the beauty within the mess.